Hey there, my friend, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Fit Fizz podcast. I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of FitFizzStudio.com, and I'm a certified trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease fighter, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 20 years. I'm here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, and to give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. The information shared is for educational and informational purposes only. None of the contents should be interpreted as an intent to diagnose, treat, cure, heal, or prescribe. And in addition to that, I feel like I should make it extra clear today that I am not a dermatologist and I am not an esthetician because today we're talking about skin. Oh yes, skin. We all have it. We should all take good care of it. And it's the largest organ in the body. Thanks to one of my awesome Patreon supporters for suggesting this topic. And if you would like to support the show and get goodies in return, you can also go to patreon.com slash Kelly Wilson and read all about it there. Now, in case you happen to be wondering how this all ties in with a podcast about health, nutrition, and fitness, well, like I mentioned, the skin is the largest organ in the human body, but it also ties in because many skin conditions are directly tied to nutrition, lack of it, food sensitivities, toxins, like I just discussed last week, or nutrient deficiencies. And in some cases, they can also have a symptom. They can also come along with leaky gut. And a funny thing in regards to skin that was trending on Twitter last week was this massive discussion about whether people wash their legs and feet in the shower or not. And it was it was downright alarming how many people do not wash their legs and feet in the shower. That is so gross, people. Not only are you not not only are you just letting dead skin cells cling on to your the rest of your your live skin cells, but you're letting dried sweat linger. And by doing that, you're letting more bacteria breed. And oh, <laughs> that's all about all I have to say about taking care of your skin from the outside. But come on, wash your legs and feet, people. Don't be so gross. So I'm not going to talk about skincare in the sense of face wash and moisturizer, but I'm going to focus on things that affect our skin from the inside out. Let's start with healthy skin. Healthy skin helps us to retain moisture and provides a protective barrier from any elements in our environment. And it also helps the nervous system to take in signals with our sense of touch. And in addition to our various layers of skin, we also have sweat glands, hair follicles, and something called sebaceous glands. And sebaceous glands are what form sebum, which is an oily substance that helps to keep our skin naturally moist. And the amount of sebum that your body produces is very dependent on your hormone levels as well as your hygiene habits. And in addition to those things, we all naturally have a microbiome on our skin. It's estimated that our skin harbors approximately 1 billion, billion with a B, 1 billion microbes per square centimeter of your skin. So just like we have healthy bacteria all 
throughout our digestive tract. They also live on every inch of our skin. So think of this like a little ecosystem or a big ecosystem since there's a billion all over, a billion on every centimeter. That's crazy. And although this ecosystem on our skin is initially established at birth, researchers are just now beginning to fully understand the relationship between the ecosystem on our skin and disease. New research suggests that there are changes in the skin microbiome associated with many health conditions, including acne, psoriasis, dermatitis, eczema, rosacea, vitiligo, and how much we seem to attract mosquitoes. And I definitely got to read read up more on that because I attract uh, way too many mosquitoes. <laughs> and what this research is saying is essentially that in order to reverse a skin condition, you might have to change this ecosystem that's living on your skin. And it really does make sense because any type of skin issue is some form of inflammation. And inflammation can typically be reversed or reduced with adjustments to food intake or nutrient supplementation. And to give you just a little bit more detail on what that means, for example, one study found that rosacea patients have reduced levels of long chain saturated fatty acids that were compromising the way the skin is structured as a barrier. And that has enabled doctors to prescribe foods that shift the fatty acids found in the sebum on the skin of rosacea patients. This is a far better solution than the usual antibiotics that are normally used because just one singular round of antibiotics kills off a large majority of the healthy bacteria in the gut. And oftentimes with rosacea, there is, along with the the microbiome changes that they've found, there's also usually insufficient stomach acid. And stomach stomach acid can also be easily supplemented with natural over-the-counter supplements. So let's talk about acne. It's not uncommon to see or hear people in their 30s, 40s, or 50s making comments about how they feel like a teenager if they have acne that sprouts up. And it's I personally think it's far past time to stop thinking of this as a teenage issue. Just like teenagers can get acne due to hormonal changes, so can anyone else. We all have hormonal changes throughout different stages of life, so it's entirely possible for acne to occur at any age. But some of the biggest triggers for acne Uh, or clogged pores in general are toxins, stress, and sludge. Remember me mentioning what my, this sludge is my own little term to encompass things like sugar, junk food, processed food, all that stuff. So sludge, huge culprit for acne or clogged pores. And if sludge is what's causing acne, sugar is usually a huge culprit and that can absolutely be considered a food sensitivity, even though many people don't think of it in that way. But if you eat food and your skin breaks out, that is your body having a sensitive reaction to that food. And a lot of times, sugar is what's causing that reaction. Also, don't forget that there are sneaky sources of sugar like fruit juices and even plain fruit. The sugar can really add up quickly. Even if you think, oh, it's just fruit or fruit juice, it really can add up. And if you do suspect that maybe you're breaking out from eating sugar and maybe even breaking out from another 
from just fruit, another thing that you can look into is to see if it's possibly a histamine reaction. Many foods are, many fruits are high histamine and acne can certainly be one symptom of having a histamine sensitivity. So if you happen to have acne that is more cystic, meaning it's hard, swollen and tender and really red, that is often hormone related. But it's also important to remember that gut health is almost always reflected on the skin in some way. So if you're eating foods that are highly processed, you're also eating ingredients that are not only chemicals, but they are endocrine disrupting chemicals. And your skin is part of the endocrine system. So if you're struggling with acne, one way to try to reduce flare-ups, if you've already tried reducing sugar intake, is to just reduce your sludge intake overall. Anything with endocrine disrupting chemicals, that might mean artificial dyes, artificial flavors, trans fats, preservatives. I classify all of that in the sludge family and any other ingredients that are just not natural. The reason this happens is that these fake ingredients have chemical structures that trick the body into thinking they're supposed to fit into hormone receptor sites and they're not supposed to be there. So things start to kind of go berserk in a sense, and that starts an avalanche of hormone disruption throughout the body. And those ingredients can also change the way that hormones are converted and metabolized and basically creating a hormonal mess. And that mess can result in acne. Now let's talk about the opposite end of the spectrum with skin. So we've got acne, which is oily skin. And let's talk about dry skin. You might think of dry skin as something that happens just in the wintertime, but it can also happen in the summer. And one of the main culprits of dry skin in the summer is air conditioning. It's very drying to the skin. You can counterbalance that by spending time outside and getting more exposure to natural air. Also, when it comes to dry skin, things like caffeine and alcohol can promote dehydration, which can contribute to dry skin. There's also something called tannins. And tannins are a common ingredient in wine. Um, Red wine has a much higher tannin content than white wine. But tannins can cause headaches for many people. I am one of those people. And tannins also have a drying effect on the skin. And another place that tannins are found is tea, and especially black tea. Tea has so many great health benefits. So I don't want to deter you from drinking tea, but I just want to point that out in case you might have severe dry skin that's cracking and maybe you're a person who sips tea all day every day you might want to experiment with pulling back on your tea consumption a little bit and see if that helps to improve your dry skin and another thing having low estrogen can not only lead to dry skin but it also leads to thinning of the skin Having low estrogen can not only lead to dry skin, but it also leads to thinning of the skin. Thin skin is also more likely to have like a crepey texture or to look more wrinkly. And not that that's anything to be ashamed of, but I know it makes a lot of people feel insecure. And not only that, but I strongly feel that optimizing hormones at 
any stage of life is crucial to overall health, well-being, and longevity, and that balancing hormones is not something your doctor will tell you that you need to do unless you work with a great functional medicine doctor. They simply just don't do that. It's up to you to be proactive on that front. And once again, you can visit the lab testing page on fitfizstudio.com to find a lab near you where you can order any kind of lab tests, hormones, vitamins, whatever, all by yourself without a doctor. You don't even need insurance. And you can be proactive in keeping all of your everything in your body in check. Um, Moisture in the skin is also created by having sufficient high quality fat intake in your diet with things like avocados, coconut oil, olive oil, and other types of healthy fats. And it's also crucial to have vitamin A and zinc in addition to those omega-3 fats for healthy skin and less dry skin. Zinc is really an anti-inflammatory mineral that helps to balance out the immune system. And zinc is also critical for wound healing, which is part of the skin. And it's also important for tissue turnover and repair on any kind of repair on the skin. Now, vitamin A is an important antioxidant that helps with skin health too. Some people are just naturally deficient in vitamin A, not because they aren't eating foods with vitamin A, but because there might be a genetic variation, or you might hear it called genetic mutation. I'm trying to use the phrase genetic variation instead. But some people have a genetic variation where the body is not effectively converting pro-vitamin A carotenes like beta carotene into the final form of vitamin A. Sometimes people who are type 2 diabetic or have thyroid issues, they are often the people who have a hard time with that type of vitamin conversion. So if you are having skin issues or if that sounds like you, guess what? You know what I'm going to (laughs) say? Once again, you can be proactive by getting your own lab tests done for vitamin A and zinc. And Let's move on and talk a little bit about eczema and psoriasis. These are typically classified as autoimmune conditions. And just as I was creating my notes for this show, one clinician at the School of Applied Functional Medicine, who I've spent a lot of time learning from, and she has regular classes for coaches like me to keep learning, she was talking about this topic. So it fit right in. She was saying that she's regularly helped people to reverse cases of eczema and psoriasis when they were willing to get to the root cause of the triggers in their own body. And they go about that by removing gluten, removing dairy, and even removing all grains because all of those foods are highly inflammatory in many, 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 many people. And if a person is maybe vegan and depends on grains for their daily caloric intake, so they can't really remove grains because they don't just ha- they they're left with not enough to eat. Um, it's best to stick with grains that are less inflammatory, such as amaranth, quinoa, and maybe some small amounts of wild rice. Uh, otherwise, if you can get away with cutting out all grains, you might see improvements in eczema and psoriasis. For the people who do find relief by removing those foods from their diet. It's not just, oh, remove these foods and live that way forever. 
so that you don't have issues. But what it is, it's it's a sign to find out that if there is or isn't intestinal permeability or leaky gut happening. So if you remove the foods and you find relief, that's a sign that you have leaky gut happening and inflammation. So this is yet another example of how all disease begins in the gut and why most people who have an autoimmune issue typically don't just have one, but they have several because it's all connected. Let's move on to talk about sunscreen. So this is a, we are talking mostly outside from the inside out type of skin issues, but this sunscreen is a little more from the outside in. And there are mainly two issues here, which are very common, getting too much sun and not getting enough. Now, when you think about spending time in the sun or to get vitamin D, it's important to get that sun exposure without sunscreen. If you're covered in sunscreen, your body cannot effectively make vitamin D. Plus, many sunscreens have chemical toxins that can be neuroendocrine disruptors or hormonal disruptors. And I'm not telling you to ditch all sunscreen forever, but just to be smart about it and to get your sun exposure intelligently. It's not so terrible to go outside without sunscreen unless unless you plan to be in the sun for a very long time because severe sunburns greatly increase your risk of skin cancer. But getting about 15 to 20 minutes of sun exposure without sunscreen per day should be sufficient for getting optimized vitamin D levels. There's also a really cool app called D-Minder, and I'll put the link in the show notes. And this this app, D-Minder, it can help you monitor if you're getting sufficient sun exposure based on where you live and the time of day. And it actually tells you how many IUs of vitamin D you're getting. It's pretty cool. And another resource for you, if you need to find a non-toxic brand of sunscreen, you can go to ewg.org, same website that I mentioned last week talking about environmental toxins, and just go to ewg.org, search for sunscreen, and you will find that they have an annually published uh, list of the best non-toxic sunscreens, and they revise it based on how the ingredients shift from year to year for each brand. So it's a very reliable source. Also, in case you're a person with very fair skin, if you tend to burn easily, there's a powerful antioxidant that you can buy as a supplement called astaxanthin. And it can be taken regularly in advance of sun exposure. And that can allow very fair skinned people to stay in the sun a little bit longer without burning. I know there are many other skin issues that I didn't even mention today, but I think you can see the common thread that no matter what the issue is, to realize it's some type of inflammation. So you should proceed to do things that lower inflammation. And the easiest way to do that is to reduce your intake of sludge, sugar, processed foods. And most likely, the causes are usually toxins, stress, hormonal issues, gut issues. Also, it's important to know that when I say stress, it's not only do I mean emotional stress, but I also mean in the sense that if you're eating foods that give you digestive issues and you keep eating them, the body continues to think it's under attack and that can raise cortisol levels as well. That could also contribute to 
all kinds of skin issues. So that's really just another way to say that it's all related to gut health. Thank you so much for listening today. And thanks to my Patreon supporters, Wendy C., Pamela P., and Elise V. Please share this episode with a friend if you learned something new today. And until next time, breathe, stay strong, and always celebrate victory. Celebrate victory.